For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shaded. As always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy Floyd and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how you doing this morning? Doing really well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing great. Thank you. And Jake, you're looking good. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good as well, Jeff. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I hope our listeners are doing well today, too, here in the last basket of sanity. Of course, Springfield, Missouri, always glad to be with everybody here in this part of the country. A lot to talk about on today's show, gentlemen. We're going to kick it off with current events today. We're going to talk about employment. We've got interest rates to talk about, along with corporate earnings. And we might get to this rolling recession. We'll have to wait and see. But where do we start, guys? Want to kick it off with employment today? Yeah, I think we can kick it off with employment and because uh, it kind of ties into all this other stuff and really is going to determine what probably is going to happen with interest rate policy and some things uh, coming down the line. So last week, you know, we were expecting jobs numbers to come in at about 200,000 new jobs created, and we came in at 500,000. Wow. Now, wow. Jeff, here's what I'm going to say. If you were trying to kill the economy and slow things down, do you think it's working? <laughs> I'm not sure that it has its desired intent. I see all these job cuts, but really they're they're in the tech sector. Yeah, and I think what's important to know there is, you know, the tech sector during the pandemic, those guys just hired and hired and hired yeah. and hired and right. overhired, and so. Uh, now that things are starting to shift back away from, uh, you know, people are outside again, people are doing things other than sitting in front of a tube at home, right. uh, I think that's part of what's happening there. And they're also, uh, they were in a tremendous growth spurt, and now they've leveled things out. So I think that's what's happening there in the tech sector, not to mention the fact that uh, money is not as free as it was. And so the tech companies, uh, especially the startups, are having a hard time making money. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure there's tubes and TVs anymore. We're going back to the old days when we used to call the them tube tubes, here. right there. Randy? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So the, it's in front of screens. In front of the screen. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Well, anyway, as I said, you know, 500,000 more jobs were created. You know, I go to Starbucks every once in a while, and uh, now there's two or three people back there working. So somebody's taking some jobs. Do you see that that part of the economy is changing where people are now willing to work that weren't willing to work before? I think there's a little bit of that, Jeff. I think, you know, people are just finally running out of money, running out of savings, and yeah. they're not willing to, you know, decrease their lifestyle to the point they would have to to continue to not work. I think part of the issue, too, Jeff, that uh, we don't really have confirmed yet, but we know that there's a lot of these people working from home that are working multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're probably going to find out a year or two from now is, uh, you know, through surveys and other things that. I think there's a lot of that going on. Motivated individuals that are making, you know, we're making 50,000 are now working three jobs at 50,000, making 150,000. Yeah. Which is putting a lot of pressure on the jobs market, right? Because they're sucking up more jobs. Anyway, it's it's very it's a very different time economically than than we've really ever seen before. And I think that looking forward, I think it's going to be hard to get some of these people to come back to the office and yeah. come back to work. You know, we talk to people 
in different areas of the country. And around here, I think most people you know, have gone back unless their job is really able to be done from home for a prolonged period of time. But there's a lot of places around there that people have not gone back to work at all or are still working jobs where they really need to be at the office, but they're only going in one or two days a week. And I think that as we try to pry those people away from their house and their incessant walk taking and things like that, <laughs> you know, I think that there's going to be, you know, even more pain ahead for, for the jobs market. Well, so. this draconian practice of having to show up to work. Oh my gosh. How do we ever put up with that, Randy? We were kids. Oh my gosh. You want me to actually come to work? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and again, if there's jobs that can be done from home, that's fine. But there yeah, are yeah. jobs that are, I mean, like Elon Musk was talking about this with Tesla and things like that. Some of the engineers didn't want to come to work. Right. Yeah. Like how, how do you, how do you build stuff from home? So know? the new Walmart greeter is going to yeah. be on a screen, <laughs> not a tube, a, a screen where you right. walk in and you'll say, Good morning. Welcome to Walmart. <laughs> yeah. I had to work from home today, but yeah. he's going he's gonna to do it via Zoom or something like that. I like that idea. Well, you know, it's so easy. Well, I won't say it's easy, but people are finding inventive ways to make money these days. I see these articles all the time that say, hey, I'm 27 years old and on my side hustle, I made $150,000 last month and here's how you can do it. And, you know, people are staying at home. And as you said, they may be working their main job, but, you know, in the off time or maybe on the side, they're, they're working another job and they're finding that they can use the computer, they can use the internet to their advantage, they can make as much, if not yeah. more, doing something and working for themselves. So I think the employment picture is changing completely, and I have a feeling that these employment numbers are not totally accurate. What's your feeling on that? Yeah, you know, you always wonder if the books are cooked, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, right. I, I, actually, I don't really wonder if the books are cooked. I know they're cooked. The question is how far cooked, undercooked, overcooked. Are they well done? Is it burned? Is it blackened yet? Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that goes for a lot of government things yeah. because it's ultimately run by a bunch of different people. And, you know, it only takes one bad apple to skew things quite a lot. And, right. But I think that the bigger picture here is really that all these rate raises and the fact that interest rates have come up so far really still hasn't put a damper on the jobs market. Yeah, which it's got to be just super frustrating yeah. for Powell and these guys oh, yeah. at the Federal Reserve. Because, Remember, I mean, it's been 10 months. 10 months. They've, they've now increased rates 18 times or wow. 18 quarters of a point, And they yeah. still have not really made any progress from the from the looks of things. And, you know, we are seeing some prices come down, but let's talk about that for a second. When they're saying that the rate of inflation is coming down, that does not mean that prices are coming down. We've talked about that before on this show. In fact, if you go to Walmart or Hy-Vee or wherever it is that you shop, you will notice that prices are definitely not coming down. No. And what that means is, is that the rate of inflation, meaning the new year-over-year -year number, is coming down. Meaning where it was raising by 9%, now it's only going up by 5 or 6%. But again, I think a lot of people read that and they go, oh, so, so prices are coming down. No, prices are still going up by way more than sustainable amounts. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the market and a lot of the news commentary, you know, they act like prices are coming down. They're not coming down. And the Federal Reserve has reiterated many, many times that it's very important to get back to 2% inflation. And while it's nice that it's not 9% anymore, 6% right. is a long way from 2%. So yeah. one of the Fed voting members, Neil Kashkari, was on last week, and he was saying that we need to go to, you know, five and a half, basically, on the short-term Fed funds rate. And so 
if that happens, you know, people are going to have five, five and a quarter, five and a half percent CDs that they can get or right. money market accounts. Right. And if that's the case, I mean, how much of that money you think sticks around in the market if they can get five and a half percent guarantee? Oh, yeah. You know, I think there will be a lot of selling in the market, maybe not based on fundamentals, maybe not based on technical <laughs> analysis, but just simply based on the fact that if I can get five and a half percent guaranteed, that sounds pretty good in, in a very uncertain world. Well, and not only that, Jake, the one thing I might add is, you know, we have seen that corporate earnings are suffering. So if they are suffering, as we have said on this show, every you know, Kmart, you know, every Walmart becomes a Kmart and yeah. every right. Woolworths becomes a Sears or a JCPenney or a Montgomery Ward, <laughs> you know, all those <laughs> yeah. companies that Jake probably doesn't remember many of those, but, but mm-hmm. most people listening will remember Montgomery Wards, oh, yeah. also known as monkey words if you remember so <laughs> we're talking with randy and jacob floyd financial group we're talking about current events let's talk about something positive here i'm reading a thing that says the two-year treasury yield has risen to the highest in two months after january's strong jobs report so i mean that really points to some safe money being more and more attractive yeah and i mean safe money but also even liquid safe money it's liquid so like, safe yeah uh, some of the money market mutual funds out there are approaching four and a half percent now and right. you know that's a very welcome thing for a lot of people who are savers that have been making zero percent on safe liquid money for a very long time you know and getting it up to four four and a half maybe even more than that in the short term here you know i think that that's going to put pressure on the market because i think there's a lot of people that are in the stock market that are really only there because they don't feel like there's anywhere else to go and right. once, once we talk to people sometimes and once they learn that wow there's four and a half percent money markets out there give me some of that you know to heck with this stock market thing and again selling is selling if a bunch of people start selling there that's that's going to put a lot of downward pressure on markets and it won't be a very difficult decision if earnings are tanking and unemployment's rising and all that kind of thing everybody's going to want the safety and when you can get safety and liquidity and get four and a half percent i think that's going to be a no-brainer for a lot of people yeah that's going to spell the end i think for a lot of people putting faith into the stock market when uh, you know you can get those sort of interest rates on safe money investments i remember when i was a kid i had his passbook savings account and it was 12 percent. i thought well that's great but then inflation was like 18 percent or something <laughs> i then. was gonna say you were getting hosed at the time oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah 12 percent they they were giving you the kitty right there. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I, I always like watching some of the old 80s movies. They're kind of time capsules in that way. So, like, one of the ones that I remember is watching Brewster's Millions. Oh, yeah. And so, basically, you know, the premise is he inherits, I want to say the number is $300 million or something from an obscure uncle mm-hmm. in the 80s. So, that would be like inheriting billions and billions of dollars today. But basically, he's tasked with, he has to spend one-tenth of it in a month, otherwise he doesn't get the rest. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that he's trying to get him to spend all the money so that he gets tired of spending money so he doesn't blow all the rest of it. You know. And so one of the scenes, he goes into the bank, and, and so he's trying to spend money. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you come in here, and you can put your money on deposit, and we'll give you 24% interest. <laughs> a special rate. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 because you know he wants the money to go down. But 24%. And then the other one is uh, the original. Die Hard movie, they talk about Hans Gruber, who is the late Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's in there saying, he's like, well, he's like, uh, he's hatching his plan and he says, well, by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love those 80s movies because it really shows how difference, you know, how much difference there is. You know, and gas is like, there's a gas sign in Die Hard too. I think it's got like 69 cents yeah, a gallon. Yeah, yeah. Like that. yeah, there's a movie like that. Or I 
always remember, and uh, I don't know, it was a guy who was a professional of some sort, and he's very affluent, and his friend's saying, well, Don, you're making $40,000 a year now. You're, I mean, you're really doing great. How much higher can you go? And I'm going, my gosh, 40000 you can make $40,000 a year easily as a manager at McDonald's these days. I think days. that was like the breakfast club. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> we're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, and we're talking about current events. Mostly we're visiting here this morning, and we're glad that you could join us here as we are on the radio every Saturday morning. I want to remind you, if you're listening to this program, you want to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and sort of see where you are financially, maybe get a financial plan, talk about how you can get two and three retirement, how you can not only survive retirement, but thrive in retirement. Call this number to get your no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. It's 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Again, it's not going to cost you anything, no obligation, and most importantly, no judgment. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you want to retire anytime soon, there are three factors that will affect your finances. The stock market, the economy, and tomorrow's tax bill. No one knows what the future may bring, but we do know that now is the time to have a plan and people you can trust to help guide you. At Floyd Financial Group, we focus on those nearing or already in retirement for times just like these. We've seen the bumpy times before and we'll see them again. And we remain cautious and prudent for today, but optimistic about tomorrow. To request a complimentary consultation, visit floydfinancialgroup.com. As the world and our country resets from the pandemic, new challenges are arising every day. Inflation, rising interest rates, volatility in the stock market, and geopolitical threats. While we can't control what happens in the world around us, we can control how we protect ourselves from what comes our way. Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group have built their business by helping people right here in Springfield defend their retirement plans so they can be prepared for times like these. This means having a strategy to combat inflation and minimize exposure to risk. The commitment to be a trusted partner and ally to the hundreds of families they serve through good times and bad is the philosophy that Floyd Financial Group has been built on. If you're anxious about the future of your wealth, your ability to combat inflation and exposure to risk, Floyd Financial Group is here to help you. For a no-cost, no-obligation, no-judgment financial review, call 417-889-7233 or request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about a new coined phrase. Jeff, are you ready for it? I am. Drum roll, please. <laughs> what is a rolling recession? Well, I've heard a recession. I don't know what a rolling recession is, but we're going to unpack that here in a minute. But first of all, let's define exactly what a true recession really is. Yeah, Jeff. So traditionally, and I say traditionally because this has been very much up in the air since the Biden administration decided to redefine recession, but traditionally a a recession was defined as two negative quarters in a row of GDP, meaning the economy is shrinking for two straight quarters. That was the traditional definition, you know, but a lot of people in recent memory think of a recession as 2009, 2008, you know, the the financial crisis. And so that was an extremely deep recession. You know, a typical recession is just where the economy kind of goes on pause, contracts a little bit, consolidates and gets ready for the next run. So a rolling recession, what that means is you have different parts of the economy, different parts of businesses uh, in different sectors 
going into recession in successive order, meaning so like at the beginning, we have a recession in consumer goods, right? And then after that, and maybe even caused by that, after that, we have a recession in, you know, services, things like getting your nails done and your hair trimmed mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we have those things going successively instead of at the same time. And I think that's the idea behind the rolling recession. So are we in a rolling recession right now, do you think, or are we even in a recession or do we go in and out of recession? You know, Jeff, I think we did have a technical recession last year, and I think that we're going to have maybe this rolling recession definition over the next little bit, but I think eventually everything is going to go into recession. Because as we talked about many times on this show, in order to kill inflation, we have to kill the jobs market. If we kill the jobs market, by definition, that will create a recession because people will simply have less money to spend. One of the other things we've talked about a lot but is worth mentioning is all this massive amounts of credit card debt that everybody is racking up. The average rate of this credit card debt is north of 20%. Wow. And people are just just racking it up like there's no tomorrow. And I think that that is going to put a lot of hurt on a lot of people when they start to try to get out from under that. You know. Either those credit card companies are either going to have to eat that or these people are going to have to pay it back. So, you know, something that's interesting, too, when we talk about interest rates, I've had people in here recently that had home equity lines of credit, uh, you know, HELOC for short. And they were talking about, I had a guy yesterday where his has gone from like 3% to 8.7%. And I said, how much you got out there? And he said, well... Thankfully, not very much, you know, because those rates are variable on those home equity lines of credit. So that's something else that's going to probably put a little kibosh on things where before people were able to get that money fairly cheaply and use it kind of as a revolving credit situation for, you know, doing home repair and remodeling and that sort of thing. So that's probably going to have some, you know, reaching that we didn't see earlier, just how the interest rate might affect even, you know, that front. A lot of people haven't thought of that. Jake, you were talking about uh, credit card interest rates. And as you said, I mean, north of 20%, it's very common to get 25% interest rates on a credit card. And people are just spending and spending spending on those cards. Are they buying things like big screen TVs in advance of the Super Bowl, things like that? Or do you think that they're using those credit cards to make ends meet? You know, Jeff, I'd say it's probably a lot of it's the latter. Um, I know that there's statistics out there that are almost unbelievable. I don't know how true they are, but there's statistics out there that say that like 25 or 30 percent of everybody in the United States is behind on their utility bill. Wow. Which is a huge number. I yeah. mean, that's a scary number, to be honest with you. I mean, imagine 30 mm-hmm. percent of the nation is about to have their stuff shut off. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. I think that one way or another, though, these people are going to run out of this credit at some point. So when we're in expansion mode, economically speaking, banks tend to extend credit, a lot of credit, credit cards, but also you know loans, that kind of thing. Once the banks really start to say, and they already have uh, in a lot of ways, but they haven't really put the hurt on yet. Once they start to decline to extend credit or lower maximum balances on credit cards and mm-hmm. things like that, or you pay off your credit card and they just they say, oh, thank you for that. Now we're canceling your card because <laughs> we want to eliminate that risk. Once that starts to happen, you know, people are not going to have any slush fund to go to. You know, one of the things we were talking about that's going to be very different this time is nobody is going to be able to go to their house for money anymore. Right. For the last 
literally 20 years, maybe even 25 years, when people would really get into a bind, either credit-wise or they lose their job or have a decrease in income, they could always fall back on their house, which right. had appreciated 20 or 30% over the last five or six years. And they could say, hey, I'll take a second loan or I'll get a new loan to get some of that cash out of there to, to fix it. Well, nobody's going to be able to do that this time because the banks aren't going to be loaning it and you're going to have to pay so much in interest that it just won't be feasible. So, you know, the, the escape hatch is welded shut, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in that sense. And if you've got a balance, let's say, of $10,000 in a credit card, it's a 25% interest. I mean, your minimum payment's going to be, you know, four four $450, too. And as I said, you yeah. know, once that balance gets higher and higher, that minimum's going to go up. And if you just paid the minimum, it, it you know, you do the math. It takes like, you know, 20, 25 years in order to pay that off. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about a rolling recession. And to your point about home equity lines of credit, I'm seeing in many parts of the country that housing prices are beginning to drop a little bit. So, you know, I'm worried that things are going to go the way that they did during the last housing crisis, where people bought these houses and then they went to uh, take money out of it and found out that the house is worth less than what they paid for it. And that is a recipe for disaster. If we are in for a rolling recession, gentlemen, or a recession in general, once again, for those people who have not been listening to the program regularly, how can we prepare for that and come out, well, I won't say unscathed, but at least with minimal damage? You know, I guess everybody needs to kind of take stock of, you know, what they're doing, what they're buying, what they spend money on. You know, I have often, uh, that's probably the first and foremost thing is let's make sure we're spending our money, you know, wisely. Make you know, sure that we have a retirement plan yeah, and that a we're plan. sticking to it. Yep, because yeah. I think that if you have a plan and, and it's a solid plan, it should account for things like recession. And if you stick to that plan, I mean, I agree with Randy. I think we get people yeah. may have to tighten their belts a little bit too. But if you have that plan in place and you've had that plan for a while, you've been saving, you've been accumulating, and you're getting close to retirement, just don't abandon the plan. You know, just try to relax. Maybe, you know, depending on how much risk you've been taking, you may want to look at your risk tolerance again, make sure we're not taking excessive amounts of risk. But the, the basic answer, Jeff, is to have a plan and stick to it. And when you do these plans for people, let's say you're doing the plans during good times, I know that you account for things like this, recessions and downturns in the economy. Do you do some sort of modeling that will show how your portfolio performs even in down times? Yes, we absolutely do, Jeff. I mean, we're, in fact, you know, my dad used to tell me, he says, Randy, he said, always plan for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> it's what he always told me to do. And, you know, honestly, there's some pretty solid advice in there. You know, yes, we want to be positive. Yes, we want to look for the good. But also, we have to realize that not everything is always going to go our way and economies are going to cycle. Business cycles are going to come and go. And so when we build these plans, we're always looking at, okay, so when we have the next downturn, whether it's 20%, 30%, 50%, what does that do to our client? Can they recover from it? Is that going to derail their retirement? Those are all questions that we address with each of our plans. And all of our plans are just a little bit different depending on the risk tolerance of the client. But, uh, you know, we have a plan that's based on uh, really more mathematics than soothsaying and what I think right. is going to happen in the market, you know. And so we try to build in those hedges right up front. I have uh, heard that really financial planning is more math and science than anything else. Would you agree with that statement? 
Well, I think a lot of people approach it like philosophy, where yeah. you know, it's more like, uh, you know, we're just going to throw it all in the market and hope for the best. Yeah. It's definitely not how we operate here. A plan has to account for good markets, bad markets, good times, tough times, and it needs to work in what we call all types of financial weather. Yes, Jeff, I believe that that is mainly math and science. It's not about necessarily picking the best stocks. I mean, that helps for sure. But in 2008, you know, some of the best stocks out there were down 60%. Last year, there were some great stocks down 70%. You know, stocks that are certainly not going out of business and are leaders in their category. So it's not always about picking the best investments. What it's more about is having a plan that works no matter what comes your way, being able to make money over the same ground. So when the market has tough times, like last year, when it gives us a negative 19% year, we want to keep the losses to five, six, 7%, depending on risk tolerance, not 19. And then when the market comes back, we want to capture 60, 70, 80% of the gain. And if you do that over the long haul, it'll have this stair step effect on your total portfolio. So when you start taking income, you won't have to to worry that you're going to be running out of money, assuming we're taking appropriate amounts of withdrawals. Right. And the other thing I would say about that, it's not reading the tea leaves. In right. fact, I, I love that statement when these guys yeah. on Squawk Box in, in the mornings, they get on there and say, so what do you see in the tea leaves? You know, well, <laughs> it's not about reading tea leaves. Yeah. Uh, nobody can read tea leaves. I don't care what anybody says, but yeah. what, it, what it's about is making sure that we have developed a plan Again, that's based in, like you said, math and science and know what outcomes are going to look like during these financial hard times. And that's really what it gets down to. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, and we're talking about a rolling recession and a plan that will account for the downturns as well as the upturns. If you would like a financial plan that will keep you safe during any financial storm, well, right now we're offering it at no cost, no obligation, and no judgment. It's totally complimentary. If you'd like to take advantage of this opportunity, Call 417 889 7233. Get in, sit down with Randy and Jake, and discuss your individual situation to come up with an individual plan designed especially for you. Once again, no cost, no obligation, just to kick the tires at Floyd Financial Group. You'll have a chance to get to know them. They'll have a chance to get to know you. You can also request your complimentary plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Glad you could join us for another edition of Show Me the Money. We're having a great weekend here together. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show after this on 104.1 FM. KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Do you currently have money invested in mutual funds? Are you aware of the potential hidden fees you could be paying? This is Randy Floyd here, founder of the Floyd Financial Group, where we know that after a lifetime of hard work, it's important to make sure that your nest egg is protected from hidden fees. Call Floyd Financial Group today for a complimentary consultation and fee analysis to uncover what hidden fees you may be paying. The number is 877-889-PLAN. That's 877-889-7526. Or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. If you're like most Americans, healthcare is expected to be one of your largest expenses in retirement. Healthcare costs will likely consume a large portion of your retirement budget, and you need a plan for that. The pandemic has been hard on Americans nearing and in retirement, but there are likely even more obstacles coming. It's crucial to have a comprehensive retirement plan for the future because the pandemic won't be the last retirement challenge you're going to face. 
Between rising health care costs and the fact that an estimated 70% of today's retirees will need long-term care at some point, overall costs could be much higher. Randy Floyd at Floyd Financial Group will work with you to create a comprehensive retirement plan that factors in these increasing expenses. Randy takes the time to thoroughly explore your needs, no matter what stage of life you're in. Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 and learn about their complete retirement investment strategy. That's 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisor services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about that nasty four-letter word that is actually seven letters (laughs) called the annuity and uh, some common mistakes to avoid. Yeah, I mean, for some people, it is a four-letter word, but for others, it can be life-saving. And as you shift your focus from saving for retirement to withdrawing money in retirement, an annuity could be a crucial part of your income strategy. So let's get it started here. Let's unpack this when common annuity mistakes and how to avoid them. What is number one, Randy? I think number one is to realize that if you look back over your shoulder, Jeff, you remember cars in the, you're old enough, you can remember cars in the 60s and the 70s. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then in the 80s. So let's talk about a couple of things there. And then I'm going to equate this right back to the annuity and how it works today. So used to be a car with 50,000 miles on it was just about worn out. Oh yeah. I don't know if you remember that or not. Maybe they were just, they were, you know, they maybe had 20, 30,000 and then you had all these repair bills and they just didn't run very long Right. past that. The other thing is that was in the sixties and the seventies. Now they didn't get very good fuel economy either. If you remember that, I mean, some of those cars, some did, but some were getting six and seven miles to a gallon on gas. Yeah. You remember too, when they would, the carburetors, now we have fuel injectors, (laughs) but the carburetors would get out of whack and they'd be blowing black smoke down the road because there was too much fuel and the car was literally <laughs> choking to death on fuel going down the road and you couldn't hardly stand to be behind it because it stuck so bad right i i had a uh, like a 70 kingswood estate wagon it got yards per gallon it didn't even get miles per gallon it got yards per gallon you're right yeah 454 cubic inch engine with a four barrel carburetor yeah i'm glad those days yeah, are gone for sure and then we got into this deal where you know california had too much Smog. You know, that's not even a term you hear anymore. Nope. Smog. Smoke and right? fog, yeah. But when they had too much smog, well, what did they do? They started reburning the fuel that you had just burned. Remember, they would recycle it back through yeah. the engine, mm-hmm. which killed the power of cars. So cars through the 80s, these big boat cars, these big Cadillacs with huge engines, you'd press on the gas. All you'd hear is it would go, <laughs> but it wouldn't go anywhere. No, yeah. And, you know, you'd almost get killed trying to pass people because there was no power. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Carter to thank for that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, yeah. Jimmy. So anyway, and then, you know, they started to learn how to build cars more efficiently and things. And today, you know, I mean, a car, routinely a car with 100,000 miles is like, eh, you know, that's not a big deal. It's just getting broken in. Coming yeah. in here, yeah. running them 200, 250,000 miles. Oh, yeah. So let's equate this back to what we, this four-letter word we were talking about called the annuity. So let's look back over our shoulder at annuities. When they really got a foothold and when they really became prevalent, other than just for a pension plan, was during the 80s and the 90s when the market was doing what? The market was going straight up. In 1974, ERISA was passed. That's the Employee 
Retirement Income Security Act that created the IRA, the 401k, and all the retirement plans as we know them today. And it was just really beginning to get traction. And so everybody was starting to put money into their 401ks and into the stock market. Now, remember, Jeff, before all this happened and before the real flourishment, if you will, of mutual funds, people had to go out and buy 100 shares of stock to get a good execution and get a good price, right? With the advent of the mutual fund, now we can buy a thousandth of a share. So everybody working can put five bucks a week into the stock market now, where before they had to have a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand. And by the way, that was back when a thousand, two thousand, and ten thousand was a lot of money. Yeah. You know, not like it is today. So all of a sudden, all this money's flowing in. You're funding your 401k to the max, you're funding your IRA, and you're looking for some place to put money to shelter the taxes. In other words, defer the taxes. Mm -hmm. So if you're making 20, 25% of the market, which a lot of years through the 80s and 90s, we had big years like that, and people were already in a high tax bracket, they could put money into these annuity contracts, they would make money in there, and they could tax defer that growth. So back early in the day, there were guys working for Prudential and a lot of the big insurance companies that you would know out there. One guy I met had a heart attack studying huh. for the Series 7 and the Series 63 because he was told he had to get that license so that he could start marketing securities and things through that company. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they wanted them to market was the variable annuity. Now let's talk about the variable annuity. Okay. There's a problem with most of those. Historically, looking back over our shoulder, they've had expense loads as high as, and we've seen them in person in our office, at 5% wow. per year. Wow. Now, on a $100,000 investment, you're spending $5,000 a year to own that. Well, that's not probably a very good scenario for the client. It's a great deal for the insurance company, sure. but it's not a good deal for the client, right? So now for that 5%, what did you get? You got a guaranteed death benefit, and maybe you got some guaranteed income, but there's more efficient ways to get that done without paying that. And of course, in a year when the market's up 10, you're up 5% when the market's down 10, you're down 15. So really not a good scenario. So most variable annuities, everybody back then would pay those fees and not worry about it because it was less than those tax brackets they were in, the 25 and 30 and 35% tax brackets. So fees weren't that great big a deal. They'd say, well, yeah, it's kind of expensive, but look at the taxes you're saving. So that's how variable annuities really got a big foothold, guaranteeing income and also being able to tax defer. Since that time, we have... I'm I'm going to really fast forward here, and we have come to the point in time where there are even some decent, what I would call, variable annuities out there because they've stripped the expenses out of them. There are these things called fixed annuities, which look similar to a bank CD, but it's issued by an insurance company. So you get guarantees of principal. You can get a guaranteed rate of interest for a period of time. And then we have this thing that's hybrid called a fixed indexed annuity, which takes the best of all worlds and kind of puts it together. And that is we track a market index like the S&P 500, but we get downside protection against, uh, you know, when the market market is off. And we can also have guarantees of income built into these things. And so you can blend these things and really get the outcome that you're looking for. Now, I have said a lot and I'm rambling fast, I know, but I know we only have 14 minutes in this segment. Yeah. We can go as long as you so want. So what are these mistakes that we're, that yeah. we're looking for? I would so think one of the yeah. biggest mistakes that I see people make, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that they come in and, boy, this is just a panacea. I can't wait to get involved with this. I'm going to throw all of my money at this annuity. That's true. So, you know, one of the problems we have, anytime we look at investing, we need three things from our investments. We need reasonable growth, we need liquidity, and we need some safety, especially for 
headed into retirement, right? Because when do we want to go back and rebuild what we lost? We don't want to do that. So when we look at how we build uh, portfolios here, annuities have limited distribution every year. In other words, you can't get to all the money each year and you have a period of time where it would cost you if you take out more than maybe 10% per year. So the only way we really get in trouble here is if we put too much money into an annuity contract. We really don't want to do that. Now, a lot of people say, yeah, but I love the safety of that because I know that I know that I know that I'm not going to lose my money. And yes, that's an aspect of it. The other side of that is today we have some of these annuity contracts, and I say some because out of the probably couple of thousand that are out there, there's only a few that will actually let the client really make money. Most are only going to be there to, yes, give you the downside protection, but many Many times you're capped on the upside to two, three, four percent, and we just can't abide there. I mean, it just doesn't work. You know, the downside protection is great, but if all I can ever make is four percent max, you're not going to make four percent. You're going to make somewhere around one and a half or two, most likely, because the market's not always up, right? Mm -hmm. So we need something that doesn't cap us. We need something that still gives us either partial or full downside protection, depending on what the situation is in the portfolio we build. And we also need to make sure that these things do are not full of fees. We have to know what the fees are, know what they're going to cost. And I would think that picking the wrong type of annuity probably is a very common annuity mistake. And Randy, we've said before, you've told me before, there are hundreds of different types of annuities out there. Out of those hundreds of types of annuities, how many of them do you actually use? Yeah, generally we have somewhere between two to four Mm -hmm. that we will use. I mean, Once in a while, one will kind of come in and out of favor. One of the things people have to realize is these insurance companies that write all annuities, they have to have a good balance sheet. They have to have extra money. They have to have surplus capital before they can actually take on new business. So one of the things that they do is if they're not wanting to be real aggressive is they just kind of pull their horns back and kind of fade off into the woodwork, if you will, until they're ready to go again. So the thing about the wrong type of payout, some people want to just put your money into what's called an immediate annuity, and that's where you basically trade a pile of cash for a monthly income stream. I don't like that at all. I want to have my cake and eat it too. I'm a baby boomer, you know? We, we got to have our cake and be able to eat it. Mm-hmm. So we want to have an annuity contract that is going to give us income, yes, but give us flexibility to start and stop it and not rob us of our principal. And annuities are insurance company products, and whenever I bought insurance, one of the first things that I did is look at the insurer's financial strength. Same goes for annuities, right? Oh, yeah. We want to make sure that we're with a strong company. And here's kind of an interesting take on that. So the very strongest companies out there many times, and I won't name any names. I'd like to, but I won't. But (laughs) many times the companies that are very strongest are the ones that actually reward the client the least. Mm. That's how they got strong. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so what we're looking for is we're looking for good, strong, solid companies that are willing to share the wealth with our clients. You know, the people we're talking about here, the people that are retired, we want them to be able to make money and share in the profits when things are coming in. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about annuities, and we're talking about the different types of annuities. But more specifically, we're talking about common annuity mistakes. And we just have a few more moments left in this segment. Randy and Jake, some people say, I hate annuities. You ask them why. They say, I don't know. Well, there's got to be a reason. Well, I heard a guy, you know, say it on radio or TV that hates annuities. Some people love annuities. Why are they so polarizing? I think there's generally two reasons that people have bad experiences with annuities. Either they have too much money in them 
or they can't make any money on their money due to various factors inside which which annuity they purchase so i think those are the two experiences people have either they don't feel like they can get to their money and because they put too much in there or they're just not making any money and so those are not the types of annuities we're going to use and we're not going to put too much money in there and so it's not always appropriate to use an annuity if it is appropriate you know it's generally with a more conservative person but again as long as we don't put too much money in there the limited liquidity part of it is not a big factor so i think annuities by and large are very mis understood. I think pretty much everybody with a pension loves their pension. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's an annuity. Yeah. That's how you got that pension. So is Social and Security. I, yep. I don't know anybody who has, you know, a two or $3,000 a month pension that's just like, you know, I hate that thing. <laughs> I really don't. I really wish I didn't have that. Yeah. But just imagine this, Jeff. What if we could have taken the lump sum pension, given them their two or $3,000 a month, and maintained their lump sum capital? The principal, yeah. I think they'd like that better. Oh, yeah. Right, because in today's world, to get a $3,000 a month pension, you know, you probably got six, $700,000 that you put into an annuity to produce that. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about annuities and common misconceptions and common mistakes about annuities. If you would like to know whether an annuity is right for you in your portfolio, get in, sit down with Randy and Jake and ask your questions. Get the answers that apply specifically for you. There is no blanket financial plan at Floyd Financial Group. Each plan is designed for your individual situation. No cost, no obligation, no judgment for this little chat about annuities in your financial plan. If you'd like yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. No question is off limits. You can also request your plan online at flightfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, time for a break. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Are you giving your Social Security dollars back to the government? It happens every day to people who don't have an effective Social Security strategy. The right plan for accessing your Social Security benefits can mean tens of thousands of dollars to you and your spouse's retirement income. Don't make the costly mistake of being unprepared in retirement. Call Floyd Financial Group now at 877-889-PLAN for a free Social Security optimization report. Take advantage of proven strategies to help maximize your Social Security benefits. You've paid into this system your entire career. Don't make the same mistakes that cost people tens of thousands of dollars of their hard-earned benefits. Call Floyd Financial Group right now at 877-889-PLAN and arm yourself with their Social Security Optimization Report. It's absolutely free, it's easy, and could dramatically change your retirement. Call Floyd Financial Group right now at 877-889-PLAN. That's 877-889-7526. Or go online to floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be just talking about what does it look like when you come in for your free consultation at Floyd Financial Group? That's right. And once again, it's a free plan. It is a no judgment zone, too. Don't be afraid that when you come in there, you're sort of going to be ramrodded into wanting to do something. That is not how Floyd Financial Group works. Look, they are people just like you. They do not want to sell you something. They want to tell you about all the options and then come up with a right one for you. So let's start off that way. What do you gentlemen look at when developing a plan for someone? 
You know, that's a pretty broad question, Jeff, but I think that, you know, generally the first thing we look at is what does this certain individual or couple want to get out of retirement? What do you want to do with your time that you have now that you're no longer working? And I think a lot of what comes up is, you know, the big differences in the plans are differences in the people. You know, some people, they'd love nothing more than to buy an RV, sell everything they own and travel the rest of their days around the United States and go to the national parks and that kind of thing. You know, other people are like, you know, in fact, one guy comes to mind, he said, you know, I just want to sit on the back porch and watch the grass grow and the cows eat it. Right. And then there's everything in between, right? We have some people that want to travel abroad. I'd say the majority of our people, though, especially ones listening to this show, are kind of like, you know, I think America is where it's at. You know, I'm not really interested in going to Taiwan or Taipei or right. or uh, Italy or anything. You know, I just want to stay here in the last bastion of sanity. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be able to make ends meet and relax and not have to worry about whether I'm going to be able to stay retired. That's the first consideration, really, is, is what do you want to do and what is that going to do monetarily? meaning with your finances, how is that going to, what's the best way to spend that money in retirement? One of the other things that comes up quite a lot is people think that when they come in and they're 62 and they're like, you know, I'm really hoping I'm going to retire. I think people expect us to say, well, you ought to keep working. You know, you need to work till you're 65 or 67 or 70, you know, and, and I think they're told that by other financial advisors because from a dollars and cents standpoint, yeah, it always makes sense to work longer, right? I mean, why not work to 90? You know, really set yourself up for retirement. Mm -hmm. You know, I say that in jest because like you can always make that argument. The question is, is, you know, what is important to that person or that couple? And when is the best 10 years of the rest of your life going to be? It's going to be the next 10. Right. And so we have people that instead of, you know, wanting to have kind of a level income the rest of their lives, they really want to skew it to the next 10 years and then fall back on pensions and Social Security later, knowing that they're going to be able to live their best 10 years in the next 10 years. And then they're okay with, you know, toning it down for the rest of the time. So these are all considerations that we can look at. It's very much not a one size fits all kind of a thing. No two people's careers have been the same. No two people have saved the same amount of money and no two people have the same goals in retirement. And I think that, you know, that's where we have to start is what's important to you and how do you see retirement going? What if I'm hearing you correctly, Jake, what you're saying is there is no right or wrong way to retire. The right way to retire is the way that you want to retire. And really, that's what you're trying to find out from people. It sounds like sort of a discovery process. It is. That's exactly what it is. You know what's kind of funny about this, as I've been listening to to Jake talk about this thing, and you kind of brought it up right there at the end, is there's the old saying, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated. And I'll tell you, a guy kind of opened my eyes here a few years ago. He said, no, no. He says, you want to treat people the way they want to be treated. Mm -hmm. And when you're coming in for a retirement plan, you want to treat yourself the way you want to be treated, not what Randy thinks or not what Jake thinks. You want to make those decisions. And our goal is to help facilitate you to get to that. Now, you may be five years out from retirement. You may be retiring next month. And so sometimes the elements of those plans and the timing are a little, you know, a little bit different, but at the end of the day, you know, we want people to do what they want in retirement. We want to help them get there. I think that, you know, when we have a, an initial consultation with a person or a couple, you know, we spend 60, 70% of that first meeting really just understanding who they are and what they want. Mm-hmm. It's really not about the finance. I mean, we do cover that because we have to kind of know what we're working with. But if you go in to sit with a financial advisor and they're not asking you what's important to you, what you want to do in retirement, yeah. uh, asking you about your kids, your grandkids, is it important to spend time with them? 
and they're not asking you all those questions, then they're expecting you, who is going to retire once in your lifetime, to be the retirement expert because they're clearly not. And I think that that's a major problem. Um, you need somebody who understands what retirement looks like. They understand what retirement looks like because we help multiple people retire every single week, sometimes multiple people a day. You're going to only do it once in your lifetime if we, you know, if we do it prudently and, and do it the right way. But you, know, you need an expert to help you ask the questions that you don't know to ask. I think we live in a world today where, you know, it's self-check out this and self-plan that and, mm -hmm. you know, just do it yourself. Do everything yourself. Well, the problem with that is certain things you can afford to learn the hard way. If you're building a structure, uh, you know, let's say you're building a deck on the back of your house and you do it the wrong way and you have to undo it and redo it or hire somebody to do it, all you've really done is you've wasted a little bit of time and a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. If you do your retirement yourself and you make a big mistake, it can cost you everything. Yeah. And so you really want to have somebody who has seen it before hundreds and hundreds of times before so that they can help you ask the questions that you don't know to ask and avoid the mistakes you don't know you need to avoid. So when I hire someone many times and it's an important job, I will ask them, how many times have you done this successfully? And that's a very important thing that you brought up there, Jake, is that you have done this many, many times. You've been the Sherpa. You've walked people up this mountain of retirement and you've done it successfully and you've held their hand along the way. Let's say that I am 63. I've come into you. I've sat down and you and I have had a little chat. We visited a while. You've discovered me. <laughs> I've discovered you. What is the next part of this retirement process? So the next thing that we do after the first meeting, and we've kind of learned what we need to learn, is we go to the drawing board and we say, okay, so for this particular couple or person, here's what's important to them. Here's what we have to work with. What's the best way to get them to and through retirement in a way that is not risky? We're not guessing whether we're going to be retired, and we're not pushing the edge of the envelope to where uh, we're just hoping things are going to work out. We want to have a plan put in place that works no matter what happens. And we talked a little bit about this earlier, but it works in all types of financial weather. If you've been paying attention for the last 12 to 15 months, you'll know that there has been quite a bit of turmoil going on in the markets, in the world, and it's a, it's a crazy world out there in a lot of ways. And we have to have a plan that accounts for all that. We can't just throw it in the stock market and hope for the best. That's, that's not a plan. And there's been many people that have had to end up going back to work because that was their plan. When you start drawing money out of your retirement assets, it changes the game. When you're in accumulation mode, you can just wait for it to come back. You just keep buying and keep buying. You keep accumulating. You keep saving for retirement. And when things go down, that's just an opportunity to buy things when they're on sale. So when they come back up, you have that much more. So you keep buying and keep buying. And, and for 30 or 40 years, that's what you do. But when you get to the point where you're going to retire and you're going to start drawing money out, it really changes the overall risk profile of your retirement assets. And even if you feel like you're okay watching it go up and down, we can't afford to have a major drawdown when you're pulling 4 or 5% out each year to live on because it's just not recoverable. So we have to really take the worst case scenarios off the table. We need to make a really good return to make sure that we have money to spend the rest of our days. But really what we do after that first meeting is go to the plan and we say, okay, here's how we do this for these individuals to make sure that we account for all their goals, what's important to them, 
you know, how important is it for them to leave an inheritance for their kids? You know, we have we have people all over the board on that too. We have people that come in and say, "I want my last check to bounce, Jake." <laughs> you know, I, I want there to be nothing less than nothing left. Right. And then we have people that come in and say, "You know, I want to shop at Goodwill so that I can leave as much money to my kids as I possibly can." And neither one of those answers is right or wrong. And there's people all the way in between. Most people are like, you know, I want to enjoy retirement and I want to give them what's left. Mm -hmm. But I think that understanding all those nuances helps us create the plan that's appropriate. And then in our second meeting, we go over that plan. We're very transparent. I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And about, you know, retirement, I'm going to tell you exactly why you would want to do this plan, why you might not want to do this plan. We're not going to try to sell you anything in here. All I'm going to do is say, hey, here's what I would do if I was in your situation. Here's how we get the highest chance of success in retirement. And, you know, you'll have a chance to ask questions. A lot of times at the second meeting, not a lot of times, we, we were pretty much never looking for a decision in the second meeting. We're going to give you a chance to go home, think about it, pray about it if that's something you do. And then we get together for a third meeting to answer questions. And then at some point, you know, if we answer questions, either it's going to make sense or it's not. But again, it's a very low, you know, it's really a no pressure process. Mm -hmm. um, we're not we're not going to really ask you to do anything. We're just going to show you kind of how we would approach it. And if it makes sense, great. If not, we have a new friend. We're talking with Jake and Randy Floyd here at Floyd Financial Group about what goes into a retirement plan at Floyd Financial Group. So we've sat down, we've discovered a little bit about each other. You've sort of analyzed what I've got. You've designed a plan to help me get to where I need to be. What's the final step? I mean, how do we wrap all of this up? Jeff, the next to the last step here, or the one that we're on right now, is implementation. So implementation is where we say, oh, people say, well, you know what, Randy, this makes sense, or Jake, this really makes sense to us. We want to get started. What's our next step? And so at that point in time, we will take the bull by the horns. We will create the paperwork and get everything set up to transfer funds, make the phone calls, uh, or get online with the, the different companies to affect the transfers from 401ks and all that sort of thing. We handle all that, get it all set up, You know, get their income stream set up. We can even withhold taxes before we send them their money so that at the end of the year, they get a 1099 and the government knows what they paid in and their tax preparers all squared away. But through implementation, we just take the bull by the horns and do all that to make it easy. Once everything is set up, we set up our next review. And generally, we're going to do that 90 days after we've started uh, their retirement plan and their income. And uh, that's when we just keep monitoring the plan right along. And we're going to schedule a meeting from that meeting for our next time to review because we want to keep people you know, connected to their money and be sure that we're all on the same page. And that way it just works out really great. Everybody stays relaxed, connected, and it's just, it's just a great system and it just works out wonderfully. So the last step there is going to be the follow-up and you don't just set it and forget it. You're going to check in with people probably in the early stages of the plan. It's going to be more frequently than not, but the frequency depends upon how frequent that you want Floyd Financial Group to be in touch with you, but it will be no less than once a year. We're talking with Jake and Randy Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about what goes into a retirement plan. If you're listening to this and it sounds appealing to you, you're looking for somebody who has been here before, who's been up this retirement mountain successfully. You want somebody to hold your hand along the way. Floyd Financial Group and Randy and Jake are the guys to do that. They are your Sherpas, your tour guides. To get your plan, call 417-889-7233. And again, there's no cost. There is no obligation. There's no judgment, just nice folks talking to you about your retirement. 417-889-7233 or request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. 
out of time for this week. Gentlemen, I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, thank the fine people here of the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.